the Mac Observer Mac Geek Gap episode 520 for Sunday, September 24th, 2014. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gap, the show where you send in all kinds of questions and tips and cool stuff found. And we share all kinds of questions, tips and cool stuff found. And sometimes we even answer those questions and share our own tips and share our own cool stuff found. And we do it in the morning. We do it in the evening. We do it at any time of day. The goal of course, being to learn uh, today. I think, I think John, I think we can shoot for double digits today. Cause there's so much new stuff that we can say the goal today is to learn 10 new things uh, each and every time we get together, or at least certainly for today. Our first sponsor for this show is bare bones at bare, bare bones software, rather at barebones.com makers of the fine uh, text editing text management package. Yo, uh, of course they make your Jimbo, but they also make BB edit. I don't know where my head is this morning, uh, but they make both of those great things, which I use all the time. We'll talk about that more in the show. John even has some stuff. You've got some stuff to add about that too, which is awesome. Uh, and our sponsor for this show is ShareFile from Citrix uh, at sharefile.com slash Mac geek or sorry, sharefile.com is uh, the URL you visit. And then you click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and enter the code Mac geek, which gets you 30 days for free of ShareFile's awesome document uh, management and sharing interface and, uh, and, and system. So we'll talk more about that too. Cause John, you and I even use that this week. Uh, with great success. So here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Fearful, Connecticut, John F. Braun. And here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Lucas Hamilton. Hey, Lucas. Thanks for, uh, th- thanks for coming on board today. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, we've brought Lucas in. Lucas is uh, certainly not your first time on the show. No. But um, this week when we were talking about some stuff about iOS 8, you got home from school and I asked you... Uh, uh, if you knew about uh, a certain th- feature of it and, and not only did you know about it, but you showed me a bunch of stuff. And it was at that moment, I decided that uh, despite the fact that you have more things going on today than I do, we would wrangle you in for the show. So Lucas will not be here for the whole show um, because you've got what you've got a hockey practice to go to, then a, a jazz band practice and then a hockey game. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that's too much in one day. You're, you're getting to be like your father. That's not good. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, John, let's do this. Uh, how are you today, by the way, John? Uh, waking up. That's good. It's good. It's a little early, but I, I got my coffee here. That's good. My, uh, my Star Trek mug. And, and actually, I have a backup mug here, which uh, <coughs> has a Mac Geek app on it. Oh, uh, yes. We have those to share with uh, some of our special premium subscribers yeah 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 you should be hopefully we'll get to processing those emails and get that stuff out to you folks this week um yeah so um so uh where was i going to go with this i had somewhere that that i was going to go with this and i completely lost oh i was going to say hello to everybody in the chat room at macgeekup.com slash stream this morning especially pilot pete uh pete texted me uh, about four minutes before we, we had, we had moved the schedule up again because of Lucas and Pete texted me about four minutes before we were planning to start today saying, I'll see you soon. 
And there was just no way without delaying things that I could get another microphone set up because all my stuff is set up for uh, this theater gig that I'm doing. And uh, so unfortunately I had to wave Pete off today, which I felt terrible. I still feel terrible about and uh, would love to have him. I know, I know. Had I had Pete texted me even an hour earlier, but, but uh, you know, if I had known I'd gotten out of the habit, Pete. So my apologies uh, to you, sir. Uh, Hopefully we can remedy this on the next one. All right. So John, uh, two big things happened this week, right? Number one, uh, iOS eight came out. And then number two, uh, people started getting their their new iPhones, their their iPhone six and uh, six plus models. Mine is en route. Uh, crazy, crazy people. A little bit earlier than uh, than Apple had promised, which is great. Uh, it's pretty typical of them to uh, follow what I call the Scotty principle from Star Trek: they under promise and over deliver. But uh, but so so we're gonna mostly I guess today we'll, we'll talk about iOS eight. Uh, certainly we, if you have questions, uh, if we have questions about the new devices or whatever, I'm sure it'll come up, but, um, but iOS eight is, uh, is the first one. So, um, kind of the way I'd, I'd like to frame this, John is I, I, I have felt like iOS seven was an update for the end user. It was probably the biggest user interface based update, uh, that we've had, right. This was a year ago, but that we've had since, you know, probably the app store came out iOS eight to me is an update for the developers. Certainly there are some things in there that immediately are available to end users, but really the stuff that Apple put into iOS eight is for the developers to then be able to give stuff to us users. And it was painfully obvious to me because I was, I went through the beta test of it and even uh, Lucas, we had you, uh, your phone on the beta test, but there were so many things that we couldn't test in it certainly not in mass until it was released and we could start getting these iOS eight capable apps that did things with all the new plugins and uh, and keyboards and and photo plugins and Safari plugins and apps that are using Touch ID and all this other stuff, right, John? So um, so that's that's kind of what I want to go through. And we're we're really almost as new to this stuff as as you folks are. Uh, I te- I tested one app. I tested Text Expander, which let me use an alternate keyboard for a little while as part of the beta process, but otherwise, you know, we didn't have access to everything, um, which is, which it's kind of speaks to that point. So before we dive into all these plugins and all that, John, uh, I'm curious because you didn't use iOS eight during the beta process. So what are your thoughts about iOS eight? Uh, I, the, uh, release, uh, worked, uh, I think a lot better. I actually had to opt for the, uh, over the air update because I tried it through iTunes and it's, uh, it was funny, that the, and I saw a lot of people post the same error message. It said the uh, iPhone uh, software server is busy. Go away or try later. But it's funny because if you're trying to upgrade from an iPad, it would say the iPad software server is down. <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting touch. But um, but I was able to do it over the air, and I got a you know temper. It said, yeah, I submitted your request, and I think they've handled the rollout process better. And then I got a message that said, okay, I I got your request. I'm not doing anything right now. Hold on and it, it'll start in a moment. And it did. So that was great. Really? So Lucas, you, when you were at school on Wednesday, the update came out at, at 1 PM Eastern. And you said a lot of kids were just immediately going to update in class. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Our school Wi-Fi is not, the, it's not the best, but uh, a lot of kids were right on. And as soon as one o'clock hit, we were in class and the teachers were all, saying to put our phones away, but they 
didn't really care. <laughs> that, and, and so did you see any kids having what John was seeing with people, you know, having getting staggered updates or delayed updates or anything? A bunch of people couldn't get onto the screen that even would tell them that iOS 8 was ready for them. Okay. But once they did, it was pretty quick. It was 10, 15 minutes and they had it. Okay. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Very interesting. And a, a, kids a these days. Tip. My understanding is that uh, the free space requirements are larger um, if you do it over the air versus doing it with iTunes. Yeah, do and you maybe know? Maybe that's always been the case, but I heard a lot of people complaining that they, you know they need. Uh, I think you need five gigs or so free, or maybe maybe a little more to, to do it over the air properly. I think that's right. Right, five gigs is what you needed free. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Huh. Um. Yeah, and you're right. iTunes is uh, is most certainly the, um, the 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 better way to do it if you're if you're short on space on your phone. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, now that that we've got it, and and that's the trick, right? If you're if you're short on space on your phone, just plug it into your computer, uh, assuming you have a computer. And, and of course, some people don't. Some people use an iOS device as their only device, and then you have to do it over the air. Uh, or bring it into an Apple store, and I think they would do it for you there. But um, but if you know, if, just plug it into your computer, uh, let iTunes do the update, and then you don't need to clear all that extra stuff off. All right. Um, so let's talk about some of this fun stuff. Uh, the first thing I want to talk about is is Safari plugins in in iOS eight. So this was kind of a big deal for uh, for a lot of us. Uh, because finally, the, for years, we've seen Safari be extensible on the Mac. And ex- by extensible, I mean people could add things into it. There was a mechanism to get things, uh, third-party um, functionality inside Safari. And, and 1Password and, and LastPass and things like that were, were very, very popular on the Mac. Could never do that on iOS uh, in the same way, except now we can and uh, so I, I one password now is great. You know, you install the app and then in Safari, it, it's interesting, though, you know, none of this stuff is obvious and, and we'll talk through this. But but in Safari, what you need to do is uh, you hit the, the share menu at the at the bottom of the screen, which is the little arrow up. So once you've installed an app that, that uses it. Uh, you get two levels of icons in there. You get uh, message, mail, Twitter, and Facebook. And then, and then below that, you get this list of, uh, it starts with add bookmark, add to reading list. And if you scroll that over, uh, you get a more button. And once you hit the more button, you can see the third party activities at the bottom and you can turn them on or off with a little toggle and you can even reorder them though. John, have you tried reordering these yet? Um, I only have one installed, so, but, no. <laughs> but, but you, but no, even with one installed, you can reorder the whole list, right? So you could put your, I, oh. I'm assuming you use LastPass, right? Correct. Yeah. So you could move LastPass up to the top of the list. So it's right there on the, on the screen when you hit the share icon. But for me, I've reordered them many times and they keep reverting back to their, uh, default order with the, the oh, third party yeah, ones at, at the end. I can hold it down and yeah, I scrolled it all the way to the left, which is probably where I want it. So let's see if that holds okay yeah oh that's a nice tip well and you you can oh i had no idea i didn't realize you could do it there <laughs> i oh, I've, a, <laughs> I've been doing it in the more menu right so you go all the way to the right hit more and then you can drag and and reorder in that list i had no idea you could just do it right in the thing wow. you just grab it and drag it around oh wow yeah wow that was just 
kind of instinctual. I'm like, hey, for you. see if this works. And it does because, yeah, it, it, I found it minorly annoying that I had to scroll all the way to the right to use the LastPass uh, plugin. Well, which, uh, consistency is comfortable. And don't worry, John, you will soon be reverted back to having to scroll all the way to the right because uh, it, it seems to reset. Uh, and I'm I, that seems no, pretty, not my case. Not you. Well, anyways, no, let's, give it time. Give it time. It will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give it, give it maybe oh, a day right. and it'll, yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. It's really, really nice. So how does, how does LastPass work for you? Is it, is it a smooth thing? I haven't tried LastPass yet. I've been using one password. Uh, the way it works is that you go to a website yep. um, that requires a login. Uh, you then, you know, bring up that menu. You click on LastPass and then it runs LastPass. It shows you the matching website or websites that are stored in your last pass vault and you click on that and then it populates the fields and you're, you're off, which is, you know, much better than what you had to do in the past is that you had to use a uh, last passes uh, browser. They, they wrote, or I don't know if they just extended or they wrote their own browser or extended WebKit or whatever, but no, it's a lot smoother because you don't have to use a different browser. You're using uh, Safari now. Right. So, yeah. I, I, so far I found it, does exactly what I need it to. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I, and I've found the same thing with one password. Um, I was not part of the beta for one password. I, I kind of wanted to be, but I never, I, I never reached out to them. And um, so, uh, so I, I wasn't <laughs> and was very happy when I realized it came out on, on release day. Uh, Cause it just works. I, I, you know, I have though, I've, I've been my, I've been living with both one password and Safari uh, iCloud keychain on my Mac. And so I've got most of my passwords now, certainly my commonly used ones in, in iCloud keychain on the Mac. So I've, I've for better and for worse, that's, that's kind of what I've been using instead. And it, it works great. Um, But obviously only works in Safari. So that's, that's how that goes. Uh, There's one other plugin I've been using, John, you may, you may appreciate this. Um, It's a plugin called view source. And it, does exactly what it sounds like. And it's a, it's one of these things that's good for us geeks. Um, it allows you to view the source of a web page, which is something you can do if you turn on the develop menu in Safari for the Mac, but not uh, something that was easily available uh, to do in Safari. Uh, sorry, on iOS, at least not until now. So, uh oh, what did I do? I screwed something up. Everything good? Can you hear me, John? I heard audio hiccups. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm doing too much with the computer trying to, uh, trying to, oh, it launched iTunes for me. That's so awesome. I love that. I don't really, but, um, you know, that's, that's how it is. Um, so yeah, it, it lets you view the source right there and it, with the same kind of plugin architecture. So it's fun stuff. It's good. All right. Are we good with the Safari plugins? Anything else that you've tried or heard of? I haven't seen uh, any. No, not yet. Now, okay. LastPass was it. They, you know, emailed me shortly before release saying, hey, you, you know, look out for this because uh, this is something cool. And then I think, uh, you know, I read a uh, TMO article to learn how to add it because it's not entirely obvious because they kind of right. stuff it in that more portion there. Yeah. But where else are you going to put it? I mean, you got to put it somewhere. So you I guess that makes as much sense as anything else. Yeah. I think it would be nice, though, if when you launched the app for the first time after an update, it said to you, hey, I've got a Safari plugin. Would you like to activate it? I mean, certainly the app can say, here's how to activate it. And some of them do, but 
uh, it would be better to have a little button that the app can, you know, a user opt in and, and say, yeah, go ahead and add that to my thing in Safari. And then great, you're good to go, you know? Um, and now last pass for you uses touch ID as well. Right, John. Uh, I'm pretty sure they said that I haven't yet figured out how to really activate that. I, I, I was able to activate it in one password and it, that part's really handy. Uh, it's cool that third-party apps can do that. And they're doing it in a safe way, um, which is good. Yeah. All right, so we got to get Lucas moving here. So I want to move on to the thing that he started teaching me about, which is keyboards. Uh, I, I knew about one or two keyboards, and I'm like, oh, you, Lucas, you're going to love this. And he was like, oh, yeah, I have that one and that one and then this one. and this. So go ahead. Tell us about your favorite keyboards, kiddo. Um, so there's... As many of you probably know, there's a lot of different keyboards that are now available for um, downloaded. You can put them anywhere. They're just as default keyboards. Um, and one that's really cool is called MyScript Stack. And how it works is it's pretty much just writing like you would normally write on a piece of paper with a pencil, except you use your finger and you write. So, But if you want to write like a T or something, that you would have to lift your finger off to write a, the top part it notices that it knows that that's part of the same letter and it'll correct it 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 might think it's an i at first but it'll correct it back to a t and as you're writing it'll also look at the word and see if it would make sense with a different word if it gets it wrong at first you can just keep typing because it'll figure out the right letter for uh, that spot that's cool yeah huh we used to, you know, we used to have something on our old Palm devices. They had a thing called graffiti, which was their language that was kind of like that. And it can be a really handy way to write. Yeah. 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 And also like spaces and backspaces, they have buttons for those built in, but also to space, you can slide left to right, um, to backspace, right to left, or even to return, you go down and then left. Oh, okay. So yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a backwards L. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Cool. All right. So another one, as I think I saw some of you typing about in uh, the chat room, is SwiftKey, which is one of the best like it that I found. How it works is it's a normal keyboard, but you slide from letter to letter to make words. And what I like about that one is because I had tried a couple others, but that one actually adds a space in after the word. So it doesn't break up like a flow of swiping. It just uh, makes the space for you. Okay. Uh, so that one's really good. That's good. Yeah, right. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah, okay. So you, it, uh, you've tried others that, that let you do that kind of flow thing. Yeah. Yeah, there's a couple others, but they're just not as good as SwiftKey is. Okay. Huh. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So uh, what What else you got, kiddo? Um, well, there's one that doesn't do much, but it's just a cool keyboard. It's basically the same as the normal iOS 8 keyboard, the default that Apple has. Um, it's called Cool Key. But the thing that's cool about it is you can um, take a picture that you have, if you like the picture, and make it the background of your keyboard. So it's just like your picture with the letters over it. So you have your picture right there, or you can use one of the default built-in keyboards that they have in the app. Uh, cool. Yeah. Huh. 
That's cool. All right. And and these work on the iPad too, right? Uh, yeah, as far as I know. Yeah, SwiftKey works on the iPad, but it won't let me, at least on my mini, it doesn't do the flow. I can oh. type. But yeah, so um, yeah, anyway. Yeah. All right. So uh, any any others? Um, there are others that one Kiwi is pretty cool because you can just decide you can't use pictures well you can but not in the free version okay um but you can like choose the color of the background and the letters and everything so you just um can create your own and you can have more than one stored okay and then you just choose which one you want to have yep and also what's cool about that one is while you're in the keyboard if you want to switch to um the symbols and numbers or emojis you slide instead of hitting a button. Uh-huh. You slide uh, to the left or from left to right yep. to get to numbers and symbols, and then you know right to left for normal le- letters. Oh yeah, okay. And then right to left again for emojis. Uh, so it's got all of those built in. You don't have to add extra keyboards for emojis and things like that. No, most of them have uh, the emoji keyboard built into them. Oh really? Yeah, that's interesting. Now, speaking of emojis, you found a, a keyboard built specifically for emojis that you were showing me. Yeah, there's one called Keymoji. Keymoji, that's it. Yeah, okay. Which is a lot like the iOS 8 keyboard, except how it works is in the app, you can add different shortcuts to emojis. Like, if you, like the sample they give you is like when you type in dog, it brings up all sorts of suggestions. Um, and just by tapping on it, it brings that suggestion into your text search, your text bar, and then you can send it or choose not to. So you type the word dog and then it, it shows you an emoji suggestion based on dog. Yeah. It shows you like emojis, like a lot. It has like, like the dog emoji and then like dog food. And it has a picture of like a bone on or a meat on a bone. And there's a lot of different like suggestions. Like that's interesting. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. So it's, it's, um, it, it's almost like it's, it's translating thoughts as opposed to just words. Right. Yeah. And then also if there's an emoji um, shortcut that you want to add to it in the app, there's a place to add it in okay. and then you can um, find it in your keyboard. So these all come with their own apps yeah and that you can get you should actually launch to customize the keyboard even though you can use the keyboard everywhere yeah yeah some of them don't some of them like swift key it doesn't in the app it just tells you like about it not necessarily there's anything you can't do anything yeah, about there's it. nothing you can do about it yeah, but, yeah um how to get and so you launch them and how to get them into your keyboard is in settings in ge- under general and keyboard, um, you'll see it shows you how many keyboards you have. And if you click on that, it'll show you all your different keyboards. And if you want to add a d- new keyboard, you click add new keyboard. And there's actually a part, a section in there called third party keyboards where all your new keyboards are listed. And once you click on that, it'll add it to your list. But in order to get it to activate so you can use it you have to click on it and then click allow full access there's a little slider that you have to let it you have to just agree and then it'll 
ask you if you want to. Like, yeah, that, that's I'm glad you brought that up, um, Lucas, because this is this is an interesting thing. And it's it's an interesting security issue. Right. Because by, by choosing allow full access, what you're doing and it warns you about this every single time uh, you are allowing the keyboard itself to communicate with basically anything on the Internet. Right. Is that John? Do you understand it that way, too? You haven't dug um, into this, have you? I have not. So okay, all right. So I think no. I think that's what it does. Is you're saying I give this keyboard permission to go talk on the internet. Now, there's good reason for some of these. Like you know, I the one you haven't mentioned yet, Lucas, because I don't think you use it. Is is one called Text Expander, which is an app that we've been using on the Mac for years, and it is a way of doing all kinds of shortcuts and and uh, more. You, you you know, you can type a little shortcut in it. It expands it out into a, a block of text, and then you can actually have it jump you into spots of that text or run scripts. It's it's really awesome, uh, and I can't possibly live without it, so I'm happy to have it on iOS. But in order for the keyboard, because the keyboard kind of lives in a separate little sandbox from, from the app, and so in order for the keyboard to be able to get my snippets from the internet or from the app or anything, it needs to be able to communicate. But that does, and, and that makes total sense. And the same with SwiftKey, right? Because you, it, it's getting, uh, it's kind of hive minding all the, all of these suggestions and it's also learning you. And so it needs to be able to store your profile and share it amongst your devices, which is great. But the issue is if it's doing that, it can do anything, which means it could log every word you type or every character you type and send it to the people at SwiftKey and they could keep it. Right. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, so, so you have to, you have to understand who the developers are for these things. If you're going to allow full access and, and, and know that you're going in and understand their privacy policy and, and all of that good stuff. Now I've noticed password fields cannot use third party keyboards. And, um, uh, when you're in private browsing mode, uh, all of the third party keyboards come up and say, you have to uh, enable full access, even though you've got it enabled, it blocks it when you're in private browsing mode, which is also interesting. Um, and then it actually causes a big problem because you got to go and turn it off and then turn it back on again to get it to work when I was testing it. But, um, but it's interesting stuff. All right. I know you've only got a, a minute or two left Lucas, but anything, anything else you want to add about uh, your favorite keyboards or anything like that? Well, one thing is, in the notification view or the notification center, mm -hmm. um, when you have your today view, um, a lot of apps now have things that you can add to there. Uh, but one app called widgets and it's spelled weird. Uh, one second, let me pull it up. It's okay. W D G T S. Okay. Um, widgets actually adds, a whole bunch of different things not related to the app necessarily. Uh -huh. um, it adds a calendar month view. So it gives you like all the dates and days right there in your today view. Um, time zones, you can add a bunch of different ones. Uh, the currency converter. And so in the app, you choose what you want it to convert to. But then in the today view, you can choose the current what currency so like you oh could, wow yeah you could um choose like if you want to convert you know five instead of five u.s dollars instead of like one when it had it set oh to. i see oh right yeah and then it'll bring up you know the um so you can add all kinds of different widgets yeah 
That's pretty. I had totally forgotten about. It. I'm glad you. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to to add those, you go into Notification Center by dragging down from the top. You go to the Today View, uh, which is the button up at the top left. Then scroll all the way to the bottom and hit the Edit button, and then you can see everything. And you're going to be surprised at all the apps that you probably already have that will uh, allow you to add them add them to this. And and so you just add them. Yeah. And then you can reorder. And I just noticed that that pedometer plus plus app lets you see stuff in today view. So, um, and it shows you your steps right there, right on the, right on the old scroll down. So I've only got 462 steps today, John, but, uh, but that's okay. I'll get there. It's uh, it's been, it's early yet. Well, cool. Yeah. Anything else before you duck out of here? Uh, not that I think of. All right. Cause I think you got hockey practice that you get to leave for in about three minutes. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, kiddo. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is really, I, I learned more than I expected. I thought I knew all this stuff. I learned more than I expected. Cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Have a good one. Thanks. All right, see you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, all right. I'm taking 20, 21 steps here, though I haven't been bringing my phone with me. R- right, else. right. Yeah, exactly. Now, of course, you can see all this stuff in the health app as well, or at least it picks up the, oh, at least the step stuff. I haven't launched the health app since I... Got uh, all the new iOS 8 apps. Yeah, and I got to look more with that because, you know, the, the main... Uh, so apparently it measures steps out of the box. You don't, I, I don't think you need to add anything. Oh, I don't need uh, Pedometer++ Plus Plus anymore. Uh, you may be right. Sure. Well, the graph it shows me of my steps is shorter than the one that Pedometer++ Plus Plus shows me because I think it's been collecting data longer, so... Yes. And it looks like they're both collecting it, so... Uh, it does not have any, uh, I have been on my bike several times since I got iOS eight and it is not showing me this, but it says for sources that I have nothing. Um, it, it, you know, if, if you go into the health app and go from the dashboard over to the third uh, button at the bottom, which is sources, um, mm-hmm. I have app, no apps are listed. So it, it's only getting data from itself. Yeah, so I probably need to find a cycling app that will um, that will support this. Oh. Evidently, Strava does not, or at least hasn't asked me uh, to yet. I th- thought they announced that they had support. Yeah, actually, I haven't taken a bike ride lately, so I yeah. don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launch Strava again, because you turned me on to that a while back. But um, yeah, no, it's not coming up and asking me if it, Yeah, it's if it funny, because one of, the, one of the Strava things... Um, it actually, so, so one part of where I live, there's a, there's a very long road that goes to, uh, by the beach uh, called Beach Road or Fairfield Beach Road. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently people can define uh, segments. And so now what it shows me is uh, how I stack up against both myself, which is kind of neat. So it's like, oh, this is the fastest you've ever gone on this stretch here. Uh, but it also shows how you compare to others. I guess if you choose to have a, either a free or a premium account, I have a free account with them being thrifty and all but uh yeah it'll show how i stack up against some other people and uh i'm not a maniac biker i'm not i'm not going for speed i'm just going for exercise and you know yeah getting some nice scenery sure (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. people that are yeah you know some of them i got a question whether they really are on their bike doing this because i mean i see some people getting up to almost 30 miles an hour which oh yeah i suppose if you're if you've got the right bike and you're in good shape, I suppose you could get up to thirty on a bike. I get I get up to thirty on mine pretty regularly. Um, oh, on on flat, no. Flat. 
Yeah. No. Uh, I'm, I'm saying on flat because most most of my riding is flat too. I mean. You know, oh, I see. Going, I'm not I'm not going nuts here, but um. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. Maybe some hills, but but yeah, this is a pretty coming much down a hills. flat stretch here. Yeah. And I see some people. Uh, but but I like that it does. Again, at one point it said, "Hey, this is the fastest you've ever gone on this stretch here. This is a you know a personal personal uh, victory for you." And it's like, "Oh, thanks." That's awesome. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I like that. That's good. Yeah. If, as long as you set it as a, um, a route, right. You've got to do that first inside that app. So, um, well, they, they have predefined ones also. Okay. What I'm, what I'm saying is people have defined on this one road, a, a certain stretch that I guess, uh, I don't know. I guess the app notices, you know, if a lot of people ride a certain thing or maybe you can propose it, Hey, you know, please put this in as a, segment that uh people can compete against each other right 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 so uh brian monroe in the chat room uh suggested launching and i, I wish lucas was still here because as uh recent listeners to mac will know uh he had a beasting uh he has a beasting allergy and had that issue this summer but uh if you go into the health app and go all the way to the right so one right of sources is medical id where you can put in a lot of information about yourself uh, and you get to choose what you put in here, obviously. Uh, and you also get to choose whether it shows when it is locked. Um, and that is, uh, you know, a good thing, right? It's, I mean, it's kind of the electronic version of a, of a medical bracelet. So not only do you put in your birth date and your height and your weight, you put in whether you're an organ donor, you put in your blood type, and you can put in if you have any medical conditions or allergies or medications that you need to take. And you put in emergency contacts, which, of course, links to your contacts app. So anybody, if you get hurt, uh, somebody could look at your phone and see, hey, OK, this guy's got this emergency thing on here. Let's, you know, let's help him out. Um, let's call his wife or, you know, uh, with Lucas, call his parents or whatever it is. And so I've just enabled this while we've been talking here. And um, and I'm trying to uh, if I hit emergency. Uh, okay. So the way it works, thankfully I didn't just call nine one one is, uh, it comes up and says touch ID or enter passcode. And so, uh, but at the bottom is two buttons, cancel and emergency. And if I hit emergency, I can do an emergency call, uh, and which has cancel. And then also at the bottom now is medical ID and it pops this up. It shows all the information that I just put in there and in, including uh, included in there is a little button to call my wife on her uh, cell phone, which is what I put in there. So uh, that's pretty interesting. I kind of like that. That that's a good thing. Everybody should. Obviously, we all have our our tolerances for uh, our privacy and, and how we want our data shared. But uh, but that's certainly something to consider doing uh, and add the data in that you're comfortable having there available to someone who. Uh, who might find your phone when you are otherwise unable to communicate with them and hurt. So sweet. And yeah, I think they can use your phone to call that emergency contact, which is, which would be good, right? Because if my wife sees a, a call coming in from some random number versus for me, she's probably more likely to, <laughs> depends on the day, I guess. But uh, yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and we're getting some notes from st folks in the chat room that this is nice, but healthcare professionals and emergency responders need to be uh, informed of the fact that this exists. And so we are now doing that. So here you go. We're informing everyone and hopefully others will do the same. One last, uh, you know, I want to, I want to talk about bare bones, John, because, uh, because here we are uh, at the 35 minute mark in our show. 
and uh, I wanted to get all the stuff with Lucas good to go. But barebones.com is the home of uh, some fantastic engineers and frankly, some fantastic people uh, regardless of their profession. Uh, and, uh, and they've been making software for Apple products for a really, really long time. It's measured in decades. So, uh, you, you know, there you go. And, and of course they make, uh, they make a BB edit, which is my absolute favorite text manipulation tool. I've used it to, uh, to sort text. I always leave BB edit open on my Macs. I use it to sort text. I use it to find things. I use it to compare text when, when iTunes sends out uh, or when Apple sends out, you know, the new iTunes terms of service, I paste that in. I pull up the old file, which of course I've saved. And then I do a, a screen compare a document comparison and it pops up both next to each other on the screen. And then at the bottom lets me scroll through a list of all the changes that have been made. So I can quickly look through and see what in these 56 pages of EULA has changed since the last time which is way better than trying to read it and scratch my head wondering what has changed, why they don't issue a change log for these things. I'm sure there's an, a, a legal reason that they, they don't want to do that because it probably would leave them liable if they missed something in the change log. But, uh, but that's how, that's how we do that. So uh, that's just one of the tricks. It's, it's great for coding. And John, I think you've added something to your repertoire and used BB edit to get there. Yes, I have. So I got a, uh, so, you know, I'm still seeking a, a, a new full-time, um, something to uh, do during uh, the day. Uh, yes. Um, yeah, new full-time opportunity. And, uh, I got a nibble from someone. They actually, you know, came across my resume and, uh, you know, I talked to the, uh, yeah, it's kind of, kind of weird. I'll, I'll tell you offline about these okay. guys. Yeah, they sure. Seem, <laughs> uh, they seem pretty interesting, but, um, they're doing stuff uh, in PHP, which I <laughs> honestly have have never touched. I, I, I never. I'm more a low level type of guy, but I have done web programming. I've done ASP and uh, JSP and stuff like that. Um, but PHP is a popular language that uh, you can embed in web pages and does interesting things. Or you can uh, run programs on a standalone basis. And so one thing they have a lot of you know these interviews uh, involve a programming test. You know, prove to us that you know how to program. And so I basically taught myself a PHP over the weekend. They, they submitted a list of potential uh, problems. The, you know, like they gave a list of five. You know, it's a website that has uh, programming challenges. And sure. I picked one of them and I'm like, wow, how am I going to go about this? I'm like, oh, BB edit, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, it understands, uh, you know, I, I'd be shocked if it didn't. But, you know, uh, uh, BB edit understands so many languages. And actually, how can you tell which ones? Well, you know, I went to about BB edit and it shows all the languages that it understands in the about dialogue there. And PHP, of course, is one of them. So it would be it would be simpler, I think, if they just listed all the languages that it didn't support. <laughs> yes. Yeah, But but I don't know that there are any. I, I think pretty much any time they find out about a language, they add support for it. So. Yeah, and so it was very helpful to uh, alert me to uh, goofs, uh, you know, like it does with with any language. If if you don't get the uh, syntax right, yeah, uh, if it detects a syntax problem, it's it's going to color code it accordingly, saying you goofed. Yeah. So, right. Uh, right. Yeah, and so I was able to uh, you know get through this programming exercise in a couple of hours, and it was uh, you know basically iterated between editing and BB edit, then going to the command line, running it from the command line, and see the results to the console. And hmm. yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, no, BB edit makes it easy, and like like you said, I mean it 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 
it it highlights it. It, it. What I love about it is it highlights it in a, in such a subtle way that you notice it, but you don't. It's not like you have these colors burning at your retinas, right? You, you know, but you just see that. Oh, it's that's a function. You almost don't even notice the fact that things are colored slightly differently or highlighted slightly differently. And yet, if you if you ever open a file that for whatever reason BB edit doesn't immediately recognize as being in a language, it's glaring. It's like, Oh my God, it's flat, you know? And then, and then you save it as dot PHP or, you know, whatever. And it's like, Oh, okay. Then it, then it, it, it gets it, you know, but if sometimes if you paste text in or whatever for a second, it's in, it's just in flat text. It's like, ah, no, it's terrible, but it's great for so many things. You can do word counts in it. You can do all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, and it, and it's so simple to use and it's now it's only 50 bucks. And, and I say now, I think that's been true for a couple of years, but you know, when they started doing ads on the show and for a long time, and it, it was, you know, 150 and, and worth it at that. Uh, so, you know, now you're getting it at this, this super price and they're great folks and their support is fantastic. And they, they keep updating it constantly. Um, my only complaint is that when they update it, I have to quit the app. But even that they have had restore on relaunch way longer than, uh, than OS 10 has had it. Right. You know, so what's awesome is I have hundreds probably of files open in BB edit on my work machine. Uh, a lot of PHP things, a lot of little documents. And when I restart the Mac, all they just come right back up. That seems like not that big of a deal to those of us that are comfortable using Mavericks and have gotten used to it. But BB edit has been doing that for a long time. And, uh, and they're, it's even smart enough to, to reopen, it can open files over, uh, over FTP and it will reopen those. It asks me, do you want to reopen these files over FTP? And I say, yes. And then it opens them. And then it's just like a normal file. When I hit command S instead of saving to the disc, it doesn't upload over FTP and it just does it in the background and it's awesome. So check it out at barebones.com and please uh, thank them for uh, supporting this show and everything that they do because they are awesome. Awesome people. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, throw in here, John, iOS 8 will ask you when you install it, if you want to update to iCloud Drive. No. Now, iCloud Drive. Yeah, the answer, the answer is no. Right. So first of all, don't yet. Um, right. <laughs> unless and, and now there's an asterisk. So iCloud Drive is Apple's next iteration of cloud uh, services and you know, it, they've been getting better with the cloud, but this constant reset stuff, you know, shakes my confidence in them. Uh, and then I'm also reminded of, you know, dot Mac. Uh, so anyway, uh, what this will do is, is update all of the files and stuff that you have in uh, iCloud to their new format, which is supposed to be better and stronger, faster and all that great stuff. And I'm sure it is. The problem is OS 10 doesn't yet support iCloud drive and it will tell you that, but most people don't pay attention to those kind of warnings and just say, yeah, it's new. I want that. Um, you might not because if you share documents between uh, iOS apps and OS 10 apps using iCloud, you won't be able to do that if you update to iCloud drive until Yosemite comes out. And then you'll be able to do that on all of your Macs that have Yosemite. So if you have a Mac that can't run Yosemite, if you've got some Mac that's still running, uh, you know, I don't know, Snow Leopard or something, uh, that will never be able to use iCloud Drive. So, uh, and it kind of sucks because Windows users just got their iCloud Drive update that came out yesterday. So they, they're actually ahead of us on this, um, which is interesting. But 
There you go. So be aware uh, before you do that. If all you use is an iOS device, absolutely update to iCloud Drive. No, you know, no worries at all there. But uh, but if you're using you know document syncing in iCloud to a Mac, make sure that that Mac is either if you're running the public beta of Yosemite, you, you can do it. But uh, but otherwise, no. Or the developer beta, obviously. So that's just a little public service announcement to make sure that you're doing things right. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple of things I noticed yeah, go. Really quickly. Yeah. So some of the cool things that I noticed. So one that was kind of seamless, but it works is uh, an implementation of continuity. As some of you may know, I have both an iPad, iPad Air and a iPhone 5S. Yeah. And it's just so cool. Go to the contacts list on the iPad. Bring up, uh, uh, I brought up me. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, I have my home phone number there and I clicked on the little telephone and all of a sudden my phone starts ringing and it says calling John F. Braun via iPhone because it knows that I have an iPhone. I guess uh, if the devices have to be registered in uh, iCloud under the same iCloud account, I guess it, is that. And the, they uh, need to be close to each other uh, with Bluetooth enabled Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. I think continuity relies on those three factors. Oh, okay. So like if your iPhone is at home and your, your iPad is at the coffee shop, it's not going to make a call over Wi-Fi from your iPhone. You have to, the, the Bluetooth proximity is kind of the, the last test oh. that it does. Okay. Yeah. But I thought that was neat. So yeah. you know, I plugged in my headset and uh, left a message for myself. And, uh, you know, I guess the quality was, well, you know, it's, uh, I mean, you're going through two wireless steps now, both the cell network and the, uh, I uh, would Wi-Fi, imagine, I, guess. I would imagine the quality um, is only hampered by the, uh, the 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 cellular network going across wi-fi yeah. i mean we do this connection over skype over mm-hmm. you know the internet and it's awesome way better than a phone call right most people don't even realize we're not in the same room so yeah, yeah i don't think wi-fi causes you so that's a neat feature and my understanding is what should happen though no one has yet no one's called me since i installed ios 8 oh what i called you this morning to ask you where the heck you were <laughs> oh well, I wasn't near the iPad, so ah, actually okay. it'll, it'll probably show. But but it, it, from what I understand, it should show incoming calls on that device as well, right? Yeah. I don't know that I've gotten a call when my iPad's I think nearby. People have men- I think people have mentioned that, that all your devices, you know, kind of like alerts and stuff, that all your devices um, should. So if I'm near my iPad, closer to my iPad, I could answer the phone on the iPad, which... Uh, yeah, that's kind of interesting. So that's a neat feature. Um, speaking of calls, the other thing I noticed, Dave, is that um, on your uh, home screen now, you got a, a two lists here. And, and as soon as I saw this happen, I thought it was cool. And so I you know, went through the list here, but it shows recents. Now, I'm trying to figure the algorithm it uses. It's not just Wait, the people what? that have recently On my home you. screen? Well, I'm sorry. If you, if you double click on the home button. Oh, then you'll, oh, see oh. A list, then you'll see a list across the top. Yeah. And one is recents. And then uh, from what I understand, another's favorites, though I don't have any favorites because I don't play favorites. You're all my favorites. Okay. <laughs> but recents, and I'm not sure the algorithm it uses, it's not just phone calls because most of the people in the list were people that I, I phone called recently, but some one or two were people that I hadn't phoned with. I think I messaged with. I was going to say it's yeah. Messaging is yeah. You remember most people don't talk on the phone anymore. They, they text message. Right. 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 So yeah. 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 That's a neat feature too. Since we're speaking about calls, another thing I noticed. So Dave, I was out and about shopping 
and you know, I pulled you know my phone out of my pocket, you know, because like everybody else, I'm always looking at it to find out what's happening around me. Sure, right, <laughs> yes. squirrel. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a pocket squirrel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I noticed on the lock screen in the lower left-hand corner a, a little icon, and it was a little CVS icon because I'm a CVS customer and I have the CVS app. So apparently, this is something new um, in iOS eight. And at least I had it activated. I think if you go into settings, iTunes and app store suggested apps, I think that's what that is. Really? Because if you click on the icon, it will then launch the appropriate application. So what happened? I'm like, huh, well, you know, what happens if I click on this? And what happened is when I you know, clicked on it is it launched the CVS app. I'm like, oh, well, that's interesting. Why did it do that? Well, there was a CVS across the street from where? I was shopping. I was actually shopping at ShopRite, and I don't know why it didn't launch the ShopRite app. So that's kind of interesting. That's interesting. At first, I called it an ad. I thought it was an ad, but it's not an ad. No, it's just a link to the app. So it's it's location aware, uh, location specific app awareness. I guess you could call it. Not now, that, I've see seen I've seen that at my house. Uh, I was standing in my kitchen, and on my lock screen in the lower right, I had the little camera icon, and in the mm-hmm. lower left, the Safari icon. And I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Uh, and I've seen it with the Facebook icon too. So I, it, my first thought was, huh. is it telling me that these apps are chewing up time in the background and it wants to tell me about that? It's not, it's been not, it, it's not clear, but definitely, you know, there's nothing at my house that should trigger, you know, Safari or Facebook, at least not intentionally. Yeah. I, I, and, and someone was asking in our chat room here, I don't think it's, I, I don't think this is iBeacon. Again, I think it's what I, what I stated is suggested apps is that when you're near a place that has an app installed on your phone, it'll offer on your lock screen, you know, it's pretty unobtrusive. It'll say, Hey, you know, maybe it makes sense for you to launch the app since you're near this place. So, right. So that's pretty cool. And then if you don't have the app, now, unfortunately my Verizon 3G connection, which often doesn't work quite right yeah if you don't have the app then it'll show the app store icon and i think what it's supposed to do is if you click on it it will go to the page in the app store for the app that would like to offer its services to you but because my 3g connection wasn't working i couldn't see which app it detected this is in it when i was near stop and shop so it could be stop and shop i don't know or some other app because no that that's right i, I as far as i know i have that app installed so I thought that was a neat feature. It was just something different I saw on, on my lock screen. And I'm like, huh. And then the final thing, Dave, that I think is awesome. We've all been asking for this for ages is battery usage. Yes. Settings, general battery usage. And then when you go there, it'll show you what percentage of your battery time is chewed up by what apps. In addition to some other detail, which, which is kind of cool. Um, it'll show if it's running in the background. Uh, I've seen another thing. It'll notify you of low signal where I think it'll, if an app is having a problem getting a signal, whether it be Wi-Fi or cellular, uh, I guess that, that choose battery as well. So it'll alert you if that's happening, but it shows um, you which apps. And actually I found one app. No, I think, gone. I think the, the low um, signal is just for your phone searching for a low signal. I don't think that's app specific. I think that's just, well, I had it, I had it under an app, so I, I don't know. Yeah, but it's listed under the phone app, right? Oh, right. Right. Oh, I mean, that, that's, that's what it says is phone low signal. And it does. Cause it has to be a little more hyper about turning on the radios and hunting for a signal. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and actually it also led me to, to uh, delete one of the apps because the, the top one that I don't really use, and, you know, I should clean out my apps here, Yeah, but it, 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 it said, Hey, this thing called Rove, um, which I guess is like a personal journal kind of thing. And it, you know, goes through your photos and where you've been and stuff like that and makes a nice little, you know, but it was, it was saying, dude, this thing's chewing a lot of stuff in the background. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not even using it. Why is it doing this? I'm like, you know what? Let's just delete it. And then it'll show it in the list as deleted, which is kind of, kind of cool too. Right. It, right. You know, peels away because you're not using it anymore. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. 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 So I think that's going to be a big plus now is now you have parity with uh, OS 10, as far as it telling you who's chewing all, all, all the power. Uh, Cause especially on an iPhone, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty important if you want to get through the day without having to recharge. So I dig it. Yeah. Very cool. Very, what was the last cool. thing? Oh yeah. I got an alert. I think it happens after a few days uh, uh, and then we'll move on. But I got an alert uh, last night and I started getting a few of them and it said, Oh, um, application has been using your location in the background. Do you want to continue doing this? Like, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's okay. handy. Which is indirectly another battery consumer because you know if you don't need to be running location services you, you shouldn't because it, it uses the gps and or, or whatever technology is available and that that can use your battery so right uh, right and then it brings you to the setting screen and you can you can choose accordingly so a lot of nice uh yeah I, i'm with you it's you know it's not only programmer friendly stuff uh but but some user friendly stuff uh, especially in in the you know in the realm of context awareness and helping you save your battery yeah 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 it's great no, yeah i like it that's cool very cool um you know uh we we might as well go through this um although i don't think either one of us have really uh messed with it a whole lot is that the last set of plugins uh and i was so glad that that lucas mentioned the the uh notification center today plugins because i'd completely forgotten about it and didn't even put it on the list but um is photo plugins now as I understand it, um, in, in, it's weird because in the app store, they list two different types of plugins. They list plugins for, you know, if you go into the iOS eight, um, uh, uh, extend your, extend your app section in the app store. They have new keyboards. They have notification center widgets, which I'd forgotten about. And, uh, and they have photo editing and filters, but they have two different kinds of things here. They have, uh, photos and uh, editing things and then camera filters. But I have not been able to get anything to come up when I'm inside the camera. So I'm not convinced of how that works, but, uh, but certainly for editing photos, um, I am, uh, if you go into your photos app or, or really anywhere where you're looking at your camera roll, you can look at a picture and then hit edit. And, uh, and if you hit the little, uh, I guess it's the, the more button in the upper left, it will show you uh, all of the apps that you have that will allow you to um, edit photos. And so they're plugged right in there, which is, uh, which is pretty cool, pretty darn cool. So that's, uh, uh, bear that in mind, I suppose. Well, there's one thing that's not cool, Dave. What's that? Where's my camera roll, man? What do you mean? There's no camera roll anymore. If I go into photos, oh, it's recently added, right? Yeah, I'm not crazy about that. I, a, I like the. Uh, it's a I, name the, change to reflect accuracy, because your camera roll, uh, it, it, you, I mean, it used to be called the camera roll, but the thing is, screenshots would appear in there. Things right. that you edited from other apps would be saved in there. 
right? Yes. And so that's not a camera roll anymore. You didn't take those pictures with your camera, right? You took them, you, you created them in, in other ways. And so I think that's why they just renamed it to recently added, but it, it, I think it was a name change to reflect existing functionality as opposed to a functionality change along with the, the name change, or am I incorrect on that? Uh, here's the only thing I don't like is that they changed the way it used to work. The way it used to okay. work is that I would use it as a quick way to get to a photo that I knew was somewhere, but not quite sure, but yeah. I can scroll through all my photos. Now it's kind of changed that interface. Uh, you know, it, it now has moments and collections and stuff. I, I'm just, and I'm not the only one that's kind of disappointed that they changed this. Oh, so. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. You, 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 so it's not the camera roll that you're having issues missing. It's the fact that there is no more um, main album that Correct. you can go through. I get you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it just, it just surprised me because I'm like, well, this, didn't, this, this isn't doing what it used to do and right. what I used it for. So it made me... Right. Makes me kind of unhappy. Yeah. Uh, I understand change is, well, not always progress, but. Right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting. All right. Questions? Do we have questions? We do. I think we have questions and answers. We <laughs> do. I, I'm going to take a minute, though, John, and talk about, and then we will get to questions. Uh, I want to talk about our, our second sponsor for this show, which is ShareFile from Citrix. And, uh, and this is pretty cool. It's, uh, it's a whole, it's, it's a service. It's, uh, uh, an, an engine and it's also an app that you can run on your Mac or your, your iOS device. And the way it works is it's built for sharing attachments, right? I mean, this has become a, a thing that that's very difficult, but, uh, if you have most of our, especially when we're sending emails these days, most of the time they're including some kind of attachment, you know, documents, big videos, right? Uh, there's things that there's data that we want to share with each other. And email is a horrible way to share that data. You know, trying to bake a, a video inside of an email as an attachment is horrible. Not only, uh, and even with pictures, right? You know, mail is uh, no, on the Mac is notorious for re and even on iOS, right? It re it wants to sh sh uh, shrink your pictures down so that uh, it, it can send them in a, a smaller format. And, and on the Mac, sometimes you don't even realize it's doing that. And, and there's just, there's a better way. And the better way is share file. What you do is you, uh, if you're using their web interface, which is super easy, you go to sharefile.com and then to create an account, uh, what you want to do is click on the little microphone at the top and enter the coupon code MacGeek because that gets you 30 days for free, right? And so, and, and the, the account creation process is super simple. I did it. It took me 90 seconds from, from start to finish, and then I could start using it. And this week, you know, we had uh, some audio comments in the show, which hopefully we'll get to. <laughs> uh, and, and so the, the, the agenda file was, was, you know, a couple megs in size. And so I figured, well, I'll, I'll send it to John this way. And so I did, I uploaded it in the web interface and uh, it went up super simple. And then it said, uh, do, you know, uh, who do you want to send this to? And I had the choice of either creating an email right there in the web interface and putting your address in or having it copy a link 
to my clipboard that I could then paste into an iMessage or, uh, you know, an email or, or I could, I, heck, I could even put it on Twitter if I wanted. Right. So I, uh, I sent you an email that I had pasted that, that link into. And when I created the link, I, I was able to say, yeah, uh, uh, I want to know when someone downloads this file and I could have chosen that you as the recipient would have to type your name and email address in before downloading it. I didn't want to put you through that. Uh, and I knew you were the only one I was sending the link to. So mm-hmm. I said it, that it could be downloaded a maximum of five times. I didn't want to limit you to one just in case you had a problem with it. And you didn't, you only downloaded it once and, and that's it only, but it, it right. I, it knows. How, how do you know? It sent me an email when you download it. So not only know, do I know that you did download it, I know when you downloaded it, which is pretty darn cool. It says that you downloaded it at 10 47 PM on uh, September 19th. And that's wow. pretty cool. Right. Email doesn't do that or doesn't do it well. It doesn't. It doesn't do it. Right. Yeah. I mean, there used to be a uh, there used to be a mechanism for, uh, you know, set when open. But but most mail clients don't don't honor that. But, you know, when you're downloading right. something from the Web and with ShareFile, it works awesome. And uh, where it gets really great is if you've got a bunch of people using this and uh, and you're able to manage things. But they've also got an app. Right. And so you install this app on your Mac and then. Uh, you can share files directly from the finder and really it, it's totally integrated. It, they've really done a nice job with this. It's I'm, I'm really, really impressed. Uh, and, and, uh, and I, and I love that when we get a new sponsor on board and, and they've, they've got a product that's, that's awesome, you know, especially if it's something that I hadn't used before. So, uh, and they've got an iOS app where you can do the same thing and manage attachments. And on iOS, it really gets important because, you know, managing attachments there is, is sort of a disaster, uh, without something like share files. So check it out. It's really, I, I, you know, just check it out for 30 days. Uh, and you get to do that for free on us and on, on them. They've, they've extended that, uh, by way of us to you. So go to sharefile.com and, uh, and enter the coupon, uh, or the code, I should say, uh, Mac geek, M A C G E E K. And, uh, and then you get a a 30 day free trial and you create your account right away. And, uh, and they even, so I created it with my, uh, with one of my, my Dave at Dave, the nerd.com email address. Right. I just wanted to, you know, do that. And after about having it up for like three days, I got an email from them and they said, Hey, uh, we pulled your Dave, the nerd logo from your website and put it inside your share file interface. So now you have this customized uh, share file interface. And sure enough, I went oh, yeah, to, I saw that. Yeah, oh, that's great. Right. I didn't do that. They did that for me. I, you know, they just pulled oh. the logo from the website, which is awesome. Right. I mean, it, it, you know, it adds a, it adds a level of polish and, uh, and I, you know, I, I love that level of polish. I don't know that I would have gone and done it, um, just to test with you. Right. But, uh, but they did. And then it, again, it, you know, it's nice. It makes you more comfortable using it. It, it, it shows off a nicer presence. So yeah, definitely check it out. It's sharefile.com. Uh, click on the microphone and use the code Mac geek. All right, John, now it's time. You know what? Let's, um, <laughs> let's, let's share a tip while, uh, or let's, I actually know we'll, we'll have, uh, we'll have JP ask his question. Hey, John. Hey, Dave. It's JP from LA. Quick iPhone question. No one seems to know the answer to this. I thought maybe you would. I noticed uh, when trying to pre-order an iPhone that there are no contract-free or versions available other than Sprint. So <clears throat> I wonder, uh, will a contract-free version 
be available like it was for the 5S. Pay full price, don't have a contract. Uh, or do I need to buy a Sprint phone and just insert any other SIM card of my choice in, whether it be Verizon or AT&T or any of the other things? Will, will that work? Are the 6s a true world phone like the 5S is? or not. I wonder if you have any intel. Thanks so much. Please, sweet Jesus, cut me off here. <laughs> uh, sure. Okay, so things get confusing here, uh, and and I, I, I'm not quite sure why Apple does this, but there are three models of iPhone 6 and three models of iPhone 6 Plus. If you go to Apple's specs page for uh, for these lovely new devices and my six plus, as I, uh, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it shipped out on Friday and uh, is due to arrive Thursday or earlier. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that. But uh, th- there are three models listed on the page, the A1549 GSM model, the A1549 CDMA model and the A1586, which carries no named distinction. Uh uh, and that's how it works. And then there's the A1522 GSM, A1522 CDMA, and then A1524 for the 6 Plus, which is a little weird that the 6 Plus model numbers are lower than the 6. Might give you some uh, speculative insight into which way Apple was heading as they created these things. I don't know, right? You can That's that's an exercise left for the listener. But uh, so the GSM model on this page uh, shows that it... Uh, it has all the well, it has a lot of the GSM bands. The CDMA model shows that it has the same lot of GSM bands plus the CDMA bands that Verizon and I believe Sprint use. And then these uh, models that have no GSM or CDMA distinction have all of those bands plus some additional TD LTE bands and uh, additional. So when Apple says that their phones are 20 band phones, well, really only one model of them is, and that model is sold in China. So I don't believe, uh, and this is still kind of developing, so we don't have full information on this yet, but I don't believe or full understanding. We might have full information. I don't have full understanding on it. Uh, That in the U S the best way to get a quote unquote world phone is to uh, not buy one from AT&T because AT&T sells the GSM only phone as does T-Mobile is to buy a Verizon or possibly a Sprint phone, which sells you the CDMA version that has most of the GSM, but not all of the GSM bands. And, uh, and I believe from Verizon, this was certainly true with your five S I'm going to make a huge assumption that it's true with the six, but it's worth asking but your 5S came unlocked, even though you're under contract. Isn't that right, John? Correct. Okay. I, I was able to um, put a T-Mobile um, nano SIM in here. And, uh, well, I, I had other problems. But, yeah. Sure. Yeah, they're, they're one of the few. Yeah, the, the whole landscape is really kind of wonky as far as locked, unlocked, yeah. SIM, CDMA. But, but well, yeah, I'm, the Veri- I'm with you. The Verizon... Currently, the Verizon, at least the 5S, is right. an unlocked um, world phone. So Yeah, well, world-ish, right? Well, world-ish. It, it, yeah. As you point out, I guess it doesn't have all the GSM bands, but I, right. I would hope that it, it 
as long as at least one is available, you, you should be all right. Yeah. Um, it's missing four bands is, is what it, what I can tell here. Um, and it might be missing something, something else. Um, but yeah, so you get a Verizon phone and then just pay it off and then you don't have to keep service with them. Right. Um, my, but what I don't know and yet is whether, and I, and I don't know it cause I haven't asked and didn't think of it until now, but with my AT&T phone, I, I'm, as I mentioned last week, I'm, I'm doing this on an, an AT&T next plan because it is the cheapest way to do that. I published an article that shows the math and, and should help you figure it out. Um, but, but, uh, the math is that with AT&T anyway, the next plan is the cheapest way to do it. And you're not under contract with the next plan. You have financed the purchase of the phone and AT&T has offered you 0% financing to do so, but you are not under contract. You can leave any time you want. Now you're still on the hook for your finance payments. It's just like with your car, right? You know, you, you choose to finance your car. Well, that's great. Uh, whether you drive it or not, whether you ever put gas in it, whether it ever leaves your driveway, you still have to make your payments on the car because you've bought the car. Someone has just financed it for you. It's the same thing with the next plan on the phone and, and the Verizon edge plan is, is, is the same concept, right? So the, my question is with that, since I am not under a contract on that phone, is it going to come unlocked or will AT&T un- allow me to unlock it? They should, right? There's no reason that they shouldn't. Uh, I couldn't find anything in the fine print for the next contract, but you know how that goes. So, uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see that because it, you know, there was a, Last year, I traveled to Canada for the singular, uh, sorry, the single ton conference and would have loved to have put a, a you know, a, a Canada data sim in there because that would have been cheap and it would have been a, an easy way to do that. So, um, yeah, so uh, to, I think the, I think your best bet is uh, JP is to go with the, the Verizon phone and then just pay it off immediately and uh, and then put it on whatever carrier you want. And then you're unlocked and not tied to anybody. And you've got both the CDMA and the um, the GSM bands, although for CDMA is your phone locked to a carrier. I know for GSM, you were able to roam to T-Mobile or AT&T. But if you wanted to roam to Sprint, could you do that with your phone, John? Um, I mean, I'm going to assume if it's unlocked that anybody I can get a SIM from will, will let me use them. I haven't tried it. I've only but tried CDMA T-Mobile. doesn't actually use a SIM or, or does it with that phone, right? Cause they didn't used to, that's, that's where my personal confusion comes from. Let me ask you this. If you take the uh, SIM out, are you able to connect to Verizon's network or no? Well, no, it comes up and says there's no SIM in it. So. Okay. Okay. That, okay. So it, it is using it's, it used to be that, that, uh, and I think this was with the four S right. It had a SIM, the Verizon version had a SIM slot, but it didn't, it was empty. Right. And it, and it was like locked to Verizon. It was very difficult to, oh, to unlock right. it from that. So this is different. Okay. Well, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah. No, right now, you know, under a carrier in the, whatever menu it is. Uh, yeah. Yeah. If I popped it out and I put in the T-Mobile, it would, you know, take a few moments and then say, Oh, now your carrier's T-Mobile. I'm like, Oh, that's neat. Cool. Okay. Uh, that's good. Yeah. Unfortunately, so there was, they deceived me as far as what I wanted to do, which is I wanted a data only uh, right. T-Mobile, and they, they T-Mobile uh, doesn't sell that for a phone. Yeah, which makes me sad. Of course, I can. Uh, <laughs> what makes me happy is I can put my Verizon Nano SIM in my iPad and get Hotspot, which uh, I don't. Think oh. I should talk about that too much. Right. You could. I'm not saying that you did. 
But technically, it oh, works. Oh, right, right, right. Yes. Right. Yes, technically, it, it works. That's right. <laughs> How you know that information is, frankly, irrelevant. Yes. That's right. All right. Um, we have so many things that, uh, that I, I would love to get to, but we're not going to get to them all. So uh, there was one thing, and we're going to kind of steer the conversation so that we can have you tell your, your interesting story. But uh, uh, we, we're going to jump to a, a section on NAS stuff uh, for today. Uh, Nick asks, he says, you talk about the Synology disk station on your show, and I know that Drobo is also a sponsor of MacGeekGab. I'm looking uh, to buy one of these uh, systems and want to get your opinion based on my plans of using the system to back up both my Mac and windows laptop, plus be able to share folders between them. I also want to store my music and movie library on the system. And I want to be able to play the music and movies on either laptop or my Apple TV. And currently I use iTunes for both the music music and movie playback. I've been thinking about moving to Plex, which would rule out the Apple TV. And I'm okay with that. The two setups that I'm looking at are, a Synology DS412 connected to my home network or a Drobo directly attached to my new Mac mini. Either system would start with uh, two uh, with red uh, two terabyte drives from Western Digital with plans to upgrade as prices go down. Which setup would you recommend and why? And then last question, uh, we'll, we'll go on. We'll, we'll deal with that later. So this is not a um, this is not a cut and dry uh, answer for me personally. Uh, yes, Drobo is a sponsor of the show. Synology is a sponsor of Mac Observer. So, I mean, we we work with these companies. Not we started recommending both of them long before they were uh, sponsors, or we even knew them. Right? You know, we we, we recommend this stuff uh, because it works well. But you know, you're you're asking a, 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 me to choose between the two best use cases for either product, right? You know, a, a Drobo Direct attached to your Mac or a Synology attached to your network, either one of those is an awesome setup, right? Now, uh, if you're going to go, and that's it, right? If you're going to go the NAS route, um, for what you want to do, Synology is absolutely the right thing because sure, you can use Plex, but Synology, Plex is, my love affair with Plex is waning uh, because it's it's kind of wonky, especially syncing to my iOS devices. It's it's become the nightmare that it used to be when I had to manually sync this stuff. It doesn't always work and it, it's gotten worse, frankly. However, something that's gotten better is Synology's own video station and, and audio station, but specifically video station for movies. It's fantastic. There's no disaster to walk through. I don't have to hit the sync button and wait 10 minutes for it to decide to start and then tell me it's not going to work and blah, blah, blah. It's, it, it, you know, that's what's going on with Plex with video station. It shows me all my movies. I choose, uh, I want to sync this one to my iPad and then it just starts downloading. That's it. And, and I see a progress meter. It's like a standalone download. It's totally great. In addition to that video station, directly from the Synology will play to your Apple TV, which is freaking awesome. You have to start it from, uh, from the disk station, which means using either your iOS app or, or even just the web, a web browser on your Mac. But once you've got it started, there's no UI on the Apple TV to, to start it because it, there's no third party apps allowed on the Apple TV, at least not yet. So, um, so you start it from your iPhone or your, uh, that's what I usually do is I pull out my iPhone or the kids pull out their iPhones. They say, uh, we want to watch this movie. We pass play 
uh, it, tell it to play to the Apple TV. And then you could shut your iPhone off. It's not using AirPlay via your iPhone. It's magically using AirPlay directly from the Synology to the Apple TV. Don't ask me how and don't shine a big light on it because we don't want it to go away. Okay, so that's that's how, that, you know, if you're going to use Synology, it works great. Conversely, though, if you're going to have a Mac Mini running and you hang a Drobo directly off of it, like one of these Gen 3 Drobos, right? MGG 50 gets you 50 bucks off on that. Uh, that's an awesome solution, too. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, I don't have a Mac Mini sitting around, so that's why I've gone the Synology route. But, you know, having a Mac Mini opens up all kinds of options. You can launch iTunes on that thing, and then your Apple TV interacts with it perfectly, and it's part of the whole Apple ecosystem. Even though you're using Drobo as the the, the storage device, um, it works great. So, I, you know, there's no there's no cut and dry answer here, but uh, I think either one of those is 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 a fine way to go. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. I think you're going to be happy either way. All right. Got anything to add to that, John? Or, or should we, uh, should we, you want to jump to Michael and, and then, I'm and then your story. Michael. Good. Go. So Michael had an interesting question. So Michael writes and says, hi, I recently set up a Synology DS213J without any problems. I have about a terabyte of archive data on it, photos, movies, music, that I would like to back up to a USB external drive for offsite storage. The music and movies are in their respective shared folders, and the photos are in my home folder. Um, the No, that's not right. I've created a backup through DSM, which backs up all of my shared folders to the USB drive, which is a Western Digital 4 terabyte drive. How do you recommend I format the external drive? When I format it as FAT32 and backed it up via DSM, I get a fail message. All right, that's odd. Um, if I format it as EXT4, the backup works fine, but I need a third-party application such as Paragon EXTFS to access the files in the external disk through my MacBook Pro. It works, but it seems kind of inelegant and loads some extra files along with the archive data such as at sign TMP, blah, blah, blah. Um, is that the best method or is they, are there a better way to format the external drive so that the backup is directly accessible by the Mac? Yes, there is. And as with some things on the Synology, Dave, um, it, it was kind of non-intuitive, but you know, I'm a non-intuitive type of guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, you know, uh, uh, here was my thinking. I'm like, well, obviously to me, Dave, the, the quickest way to act to, to make the data easy to access would be to put it on a Mac formatted drive. Right. Well, yeah, because if you have to unplug it from the Synology and plug it into something else in your house, there you go. Yeah. Right. So what I did is, so I have a, a, a wealth of both, uh, you know, a, a rotational or, you know, an external enclosures yeah. as well as a, a flash drive. So what I did was um, now there's a part of the Synology user interface called external devices. And if you plug something into the USB port on the Synology, which I believe they all have this. Yep. Um, and this is where you run the backup utility, which, you know, is a really handy feature. So they have a backup program and they have a way to plug in external devices. Here's the problem. And, and I can see where he, where Michael um, didn't make this leap. Because sure. it's not obvious through the UI is that if you want to format an external device with this technology, you are given three options. EXT4, as you point out, EXT3, which yep. is even weirder, and FAT32. Now, he yep. mentioned FAT32 didn't work for him. I'm not quite sure why it didn't. I didn't try it, but, but I'm like, you know what? What if I plug, 
my Mac formatted drive in here. Let me see if it shows up. And sure enough, Dave, it showed up. Isn't huh. that cool? Yeah, and oh yeah, up. totally. And, and this is new. And and I'd like to to uh take some credit for not for uh the, the any of the implementation, but for beating on Synology about two years ago saying you gotta make this work. And and eventually they did. Um and and not it used to be that it would only mount HFS in read only and you had to do it manually. Then it would do it automatically read only, and then now it does it automatically with full read write and works awesome. So you're and welcome. I saw it and then I plugged in the drive and then you, you when it sees the device, it'll show you that it says USB one. And then there's a little uh, down hour and you click on that and it gives you details. And it showed two partitions on this drive. One was I, I forget what it was. V something, something. And the other showed up as partition type HFS plus, which is another name for the Mac partition scheme. Right. So I'm right. like, huh, well, if it, if, if it understands what a Mac drive is, and as you pointed out, now it does, because I, I, I assume they're using open source, you know, file libraries and, uh, you know, probably prompted by you and others. They, they, you know, started using one that understands HFS plus in addition to these other wacky formats. And, uh, and then I ran the backup program, uh, you know, backed up something from the Synology to the external USB drive, pull, uh, ejected it. Yep which you still have to do, um, brought it over to my Mac, plugged it in, and there was the file that I backed up. Yeah. So it's not clear, though, because now I'm scratching my head. Well, why, if they understand the drive format, why don't they offer it as an option in their format menu, which they currently do not? I don't know that there is an open source Unix um, or Linux formatting utility that will format in HFS plus. I could be wrong about that, but I, I know that at least that used to be true. It, you know, that you could mount them and use them, but in terms of creating them, no, but I, I also want to point out that I, and correct me if this has changed, I may be behind the times now on this, but it will not use HFS plus journaled. It has to be HFS plus non journaled. Uh, the drive I put in there was journaled, but that's because I formatted on the Mac. So. Right, right. But it worked and it didn't complain about that. No, that's interesting. I'm pretty check. We got to check this because it, it right now, my advice is make sure you disable journaling on any drive that you're going to use long term right. with a Synology. But but again, that might have changed. But um, but that that's certainly how it was even just a couple of months ago. So. Um, and to disable journaling is, is a weird thing. Um, in disk utility, we'll, we'll post instructions for this, but off the top of my head, you, you launch disk utility. And then I believe you have to hold down the option key when going up to, I think it's the file menu after selecting the disk and choose, uh, disable journaling. Uh, so you don't have to reformat it. You don't have to lose any of your data, but you do have to turn off the journal. Okay. So. And the other thing, yep. the, the final thing to mention, so, so the section of the UI, and again, I can understand why he didn't, you know, do this, is that when you create a backup set, there's a place where you uh, define a backup destination. And the thing is, there are two options. Um, I think one is a, let me see, backup data. Uh, you got to choose the backup data to local shared folder. Um, and then you will see uh, the USB partition um, you know, the HFS plus partition uh, is in the list. There's another option in that window and it will not show the USB partition. So you have to, and I put this in my reply to him. So you, so you have to proceed carefully 
okay. uh, or in the right way, or otherwise it will not see the Mac. Uh, I think they got to still polish this a little bit here. Okay. Because as I found, you know, I, I, it, you know, I transferred a video file and, uh, you know, I, I was able to play it and it, it didn't seem damaged or anything. So, uh, right. Right. But no, the Synology is full of surprises, Dave. Yeah, it, it totally <laughs> is. It, it's an onion, man. There's so many layers and so many things that, um, yeah. Yeah. And now quickly, I'm going to tell you a couple of tales of woe here. So, so one, okay. I'll, I'll bounce back over to the Mac here. So I had a minor disaster on my Mac. So, um, um, have we mentioned that you should probably have uh, one, if not more backups of uh, all your drives, Dave? We I'm have. Not sure if we ever tell people to do that. I believe <laughs> we have mentioned that once or twice. Yes. Because <laughs> this really helped because, um, so I recently had uh, an event with my MacBook Pro, which I think I'm going to be shortly. Uh, 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 it's time now that the case is starting to uh, get detached here. Um, and I actually identified, I, I don't think I'm going to get the latest model. I think I'm going to get a 2012 because that's one of the last user upgradable MacBook pros. Oh, interesting. It's yeah. Your, it's it's yeah. available in the refurb store. Right. And, and I, and I know the right people to, uh, to be able to get a little discount. So, um, yeah, I think that's the direction I'm going to take the, the 2012 will, you know, has all the fast ports and stuff. Yeah. Like that, but it's not locked down and, and there's still some available. So, so I'm going to go for that. And it's not, it's, re- but it's not retina. Uh, they have a retina, but it's missing some of the ports that I want. Okay. Um, the retina version does not have an ethernet port or a uh, firewire 800 port, which I'd also like. So, so I think that's, the anyway, I'm going to slow you down right there. Um, why do you, because I think you could get, I think you'd be better off getting one with Thunderbolt and, Oh, it does have thunder. I know, but, but your new one, the reason it doesn't have firewire or, or, or any of these things that you're probably not going to use a whole lot is because you can add them with Thunderbolt. I, I understand that. Yeah. I'd rather not purchase an adapter. Okay. All right. Yeah. Hey, All right. it's just me, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, but I did notice that I compared the two in the retina. The, the thing is the, the, the newer one has better screen resolution than my current model. In mm-hmm. event. So, mm. so I'm cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, right. But anyways, I, I had an event the other day where, uh, you know, unfortunately this happens um, w- when the Mac uh, shuts down or it gets to low battery. What it's supposed to do is it's supposed to hibernate. And uh, but every now and then that doesn't quite work out. And so that happened to my machine recently is that it just shut down because when I tried to restart, right, rather than doing the hibernate restore, which you can see the little bar marching across the screen. Sure. I heard the chime and I'm like, oh, man, not again. And there was some discorruption. So every now and then I'll run disutility. So I ran disutility. And it said, ah, there's something wrong. This file is reporting that it's this size and it should be that size. And then it's like, oh, and there's some inode stuff. And I'm like, oh boy, I'm like, yeah. well, it's this utility. Sure. What could possibly go wrong? Well, <laughs> everything. After I paired with this utility and I rebooted, I got the flashing folder with a question mark on it. And I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. Yep. I'm like, all right, well, let me restart, hold down option, which sure. is the startup manager and see what uh, boot partitions I have. Maybe recovery, nothing. I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. This utility totally thrashed both my partitions. Yeah. Like, okay, this well, is really To be happen. fair, your partitions were, you know, knock, knock, knocking on, on, on heaven's door and, and disk utility just, get, it just gave him a nudge. Right. Yeah. I it mean, just, it, it just it finished the job. It finished the job. <laughs> yeah. Because, it, you know, and that's, that's why we say to run these things on a regular basis, because you don't necessarily see the symptoms when the problems start. By the time you see symptoms, it's it's possibly way too late. Yeah. 
Right. Now, the good news is, uh, but here's the good news. So fortunately, I have other drives, as we all should, to boot from. And this actually has a, still has an Express Card 34 slot. And okay. I have a Mac on that, along with Carbon Copy Cloner and a minimal installation. So I booted from that. And my Mac's internal hard drive appeared on the desktop. And I'm like, okay. Sweet. Now is the time to run Carbon Copy Cloner and grab everything. That's it. Yeah, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Do not get up to P. Start the clone right away. Yes. Well, the first thing I tried was to try to reinstall OS X. Yeah. I'm like, okay, so it's still, the data is still there. For whatever reason, the partitions aren't there. And that in itself is kind of weird. But uh, I'm like, well, let me, let me first. So first I did the clone. I tried to boot from the clone and the clone booted just fine. And I'm like, okay, that's good. But I'd really like to use my internal drive again. I don't want this drive hanging off of the thing. So uh, I tried to reinstall the OS on the internal drive and it consistently failed. It got to the point, uh, so OS X appeared to be installing and then it would say, oh, sorry, I can't replace the, I I can't create the recovery partition. Um, uh, So I'm I'm just going to stop. Oh, wow. Okay, great. So eventually what ended up happening is I reformatted the internal drive, then did a carbon copy cloner back from the drive I backed up to, to the internal drive, use carbon copy cloner to create the recovery partition and everything's just great. Awesome. Yeah. But it was weird because I, I thought if the partitions didn't appear in, in the startup manager, then I thought all was lost, but no. Now they're just not I, blessed to be started up from at that point yeah. in time. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I, I want to share one uh, other tip before we wrap things up today, John, because it's got it's so relevant to this, right? In in the last show, in fact, and but but it's relevant to your situation too. You were able to clone everything with Carbon Copy Cloner, right? Which is awesome, and maybe Carbon Copy Cloner uses this method to do this. But um, you know, we were we were talking in the last show, we had. Uh, a listener and I can't remember his name. I believe it was a, 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 a one of our younger listeners uh, was asking how to copy all of his photos, um, even though or copy all of his undamaged photos off of a disc, right? And and uh, because he said the finder was causing it to to die and and all that good stuff. So I believe uh, that another listener has come to the rescue here, John. Hi, John, Dave, and Pete. This suggestion is in response to a question posed on episode 519 at the one hour, eight minute and 46 second mark for those curious to listen to the original question. Uh, In short, the listener had corrupted pictures on an external hard drive and the finder was refusing to continue copying after a corrupted file was encountered. There were some suggestions offered, but I felt you guys missed the most important one. And that is the ditto terminal command. Ditto, spelt D-I-T-T-O. To use the ditto command, simply open up the big scary terminal, type the letters D-I-T-T-O, and for added functionality, also add uh, dash V for dash Victor, and that puts the ditto command in verbose mode. So it'll tell you exactly what it's up to while it uh, copies all the files over. So open up terminal, type in ditto space dash V, then take the folder or directory that the files are coming from and drag those into the terminal window and it'll paste in its exact location. Then grab the folder or directory where the files are going to go to, drag that into the terminal window, it'll paste in its location, hit the enter key, 
and you are off to the races. Ditto will happily skip anything that it can't copy and will copy everything else. And once the terminal window stops frantically scrolling, you know that it's done. Keep up the great work, guys, and don't get caught. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, because that I'm going to use that tip. Uh, I could, and I couldn't have said that better than myself. You you uh, did a fantastic job explaining how to do something in the terminal, which is frankly something we always struggle with here uh, on this show, because it's not easy to explain that stuff without showing people. But uh, but you did a great job that that whole concept of dragging from the finder to the terminal so that you don't have to figure out how to type the full path uh, is great. So uh, so there you go. There you go. Do we have anything else, John? Was there anything more to, um, your, to your story that uh, I mean, I know we're I at the hour other, and a half mark. I got one other go story and I'll tell you the solution, but th this should be quick. So, okay, so cool. I had another issue in that. Um, so I use my Synology for a time machine backup. Yeah. I was having this recurring problem where uh, the, the machine would complain every, uh, every, ever so often. It would say, I can't find the volume JB dash this station. I'm like, well, that's weird. And I'd look on the desktop and sure enough, it's not there anymore. And I'm like, what is going on? What in the wide, wide world? And so I, I got in touch with the uh, Synology support and they're, uh, you know, and I sent them the, uh, the logs, which you can do. And that helps them do their job. And uh, he got back to me and he said, yep. As a matter of fact, I looked in the logs and uh, I see an entry saying Apple file services stopped. I'm like, hmm. And you and I had talked about this and we were speculating as to what's going on. And, you know, I was logging into the Synology, which you can do with SSH or something and looking at top and the, you know, AFPD daemon and all that stuff that does that. And I'm like, what is going on? And he, even the, the Synology guy threw his hands up and he's like, you know what? Do a reset, which you know, sometimes you got to punt. So I'm like, OK, I did a reset. Um, Just restarted the Synology? No, you, you could do a, a reset, basically reinstall DSM. That was oh, their okay. recommendation. Their now, did you lose you know, any of your settings doing that or no? Just a yes. Oh, okay. Uh, you do. Well, you don't lose your data, sure. but um, uh, your packages you will have to reinstall. And uh, yeah, so it's a, yeah, I didn't expect to have to do that. And you also have to uh, reset permissions or some access. Okay. I mean, it saves some of that. You, you can say save settings, but it yeah. doesn't save everything. Okay. So, um, you know, be, be careful if, if you reset. Yeah. Uh, again, you won't lose the data. I didn't lose any of the data. I but had did, stored, it, but uh, did it solve your problem? No. Okay. Because <laughs> it happened again. And then I'm like, all right. And actually, I feel kind of silly here. Well, no, I figured out what the problem was all by my little self. Oh, I had a theory, but I'm sure I was. I'm sure I'm wrong. My, well, what's your theory? My theory was that um, we had that issue a couple of weeks ago where that switch um, went wonky and then you just power cycled it and, and then it worked again. But I was wondering if it, if it was the switch being wonky in a weird way. No. Okay. I told you I was no. wrong. <laughs> but then I looked at the log and I noticed, and it said Apple file service, uh, uh, stopped. And the timestamp was zero, zero colon zero two. Like, Hmm. Ah, it's kind of interesting. That's real close to midnight. Yeah. Then I looked in the prior log, which, you know, it, it, it deleted. Sure. And um, those times are also suspiciously close to uh, midnight, like 23 something something. And I'm like, you know, that's just too weird. This is happening at the same time. Yeah. About once a week. It's almost like is it's it a task that's being scheduled to turn off Apple file service. And was it? <laughs> yes. 
So I went to, I think there's a task manager and I looked in there and there was one task to find. It was turn off a, and for the life of me, I can't recall going in there and doing this because why would I need to? But apparently I must've been experimenting. So and left that in there. So once a week it would schedule, it would schedule a task that would turn off Apple file service. And I'm like, duh. Computers do exactly what we tell them, not necessarily what we want. Just what I asked for, not what I want. That's right. Yeah. That's and, and I wrote back to him and he's like, thanks. And actually I said, you know, here's kind of a tip is that, you know, because I noticed eventually that it was happening at the exact same or close enough to the exact same time. Yeah. Well, it's not a coincidence. It's not because you and I, we, we were troubleshooting thinking maybe the, the, the Damon was crashing sure. or something like that. No, it was, it was doing exactly what it was being told. All right. So where do you set this stuff? Cause I want to look on mine now uh, before we go here. So I go to control panel, right? Uh, should be a task. Uh, is it in control panel though? In, in the, in yeah, the synology? It's control panels. Okay. Yeah. I'm logging right now. It's taking a, taking a moment. Okay. I'm not seeing any task thing on mine, but what do I know? Task scheduler. There it is. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So I have, uh, I, yeah. So I have, uh, I only have four things listed and only three are enabled. Um, oh, well, okay. So you've been there too, but uh, I, 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 have, I certainly don't remember asking for this, but the, I must've done it just to, you know. the four things that I, or the two of the, one of the things is just to do a smart test on my discs once, uh, once a month. And I actually, I have a, a, a disc went bad in there that Seagate is replacing out of warranty because these stupid discs shouldn't be failing out of warranty. These are 7,200 RPM Barracudas and they should not be failing at, at, at the one year mark every single time. Uh, and to Seagate's credit, they just shipped three of them to me to replace. So uh, awesome. But right now my, my, my unit is in degraded state and the, the drives arrive tomorrow. So I can't wait to put uh, this drive back in anyway. Uh, so I have a smart test that happens once a month. Then uh, I have uh, two power on tasks that at every day at 7 AM and 7 PM will turn my disc station on. And this is just in case the power goes out for an extended period of time here and the disk station doesn't automatically start back up. I know that at seven o'clock it will. And, um, and that's a handy thing to, uh, to have if I'm traveling. Cause I use it, you know, like I said, with video station and audio station and mm-hmm. all that other stuff. So I just want it running. And uh, so those are, those are the tasks that I yeah. have going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, um, but it's a, it, it, Again, I don't remember being there, but it's a powerful feature because I totally. see that you can handle, you can schedule starting and stopping almost everything on this. The media server, VPN, uh, file transfer, stuff like that, which you may want to restrict access for whatever reason to file sharing and stuff. You know, maybe, you know, like, for example, hey, kids, you know, no videos after 11 o'clock. So, right. Uh, right. Shut it off. Just shut it off. <laughs> yeah. It ain't going to do anything. That's right. That's a good <laughs> That's actually a really good idea. Yeah, until your kids, until you have to give your kids uh, admin privileges on the disk station. Right. So, like Lucas has admin privs because for a while uh, we he was playing when he was playing Minecraft, we were running a Minecraft server on the disk station, and he needed to be able to turn it on and off and manipulate it as he was loading new worlds and stuff. So he's got full root access on the uh, on that stupid thing. So, you know. but that's how it goes: parenting and all that good stuff. So it's fun. It's fun. All right. Uh, what else do we have here? Well, I guess uh, you can email us at feedback at com. If I heard you right, Dave, you said 
feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I said feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Of course, those of you that are premium subscribers, premium at MacGeekGab.com and, uh, and be on the lookout for your uh, your emails. We'll probably make that happen this week about uh, about the, the next round of premium gifts, which will be some splendid mugs that we're having made up just for you. Uh, 206-666-GEEK is the other way to call us, or contact us, and Geek John is... Four, three, three, five. And darn tootin' it is. What else? The Twitters. There's the Twitters. If you want to find us on Twitter, I am John O'Bron. He is Dave Hamilton. The podcast is Mac Geekab. The publication is Mac Observer. Michael Johnston is Michael Johnston on Twitter. He is also the host of the iOS show podcast and the uh, founder and publisher of GetAppler.com and... He is the one that takes the show and converts it into chapters and images and links and all that, which is awesome. I know you love it, and uh, and we appreciate that. So thank you, Michael, for doing that. Also, thanks to Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com, for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. The podcast marketplace includes, as we mentioned, ShareFile.com with the code MacGeek, uh, Barebones software, Barebones.com, Smile at smilesoftware.com squarespace.com slash mgg and coupon code mgg gets you 10% off linda l-y-n-d-a dot com slash mgg we mentioned drobo in the show but they get you 50 bucks off mgg five zero gazelle.com sell back that phone if you're uh, if you're not going to keep it all through backbeat media and Dave? what's that john well, no, I, th- I just thought you may have one one more thing to, to I, tell us. One more thing. That's interesting. So that's a three-word phrase. What's another good three-word phrase? I think don't get caught. Made up.